The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Calm after the storm, control after the chaos. Manchester United went out to the Champions League in midweek, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done what basically does best and stabilise the ship. It's not the most exciting method, but it does reduce the pressure on him and on Manchester United. But one of the dullest Manchester derbies in memory. Um, it does leave United not too far off the top of the table, certainly not too far off the top four and above City in the Premier League still. Welcome to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast with me, Harry Robinson and Jack Tate, where we'll be talking about that game, looking ahead to league games against Sheffield United and Leeds. And as always, you'll have your regular youth loan and women's roundup in the middle of the show. Jack, it's, it's not the easiest game to talk about. And yet, as I was uh, preparing for the show, there's there's actually a decent amount to, um, to, to go through. It's ultimately for me I, I, I think I was I, I was really disappointed and kind of disheartened at that because United defended alright and we'll get onto the specifics of the the tactics and the formations and, and what Solskjaer went out to do in, in a second but ultimately City were there for the taking and this was a, a boring game it wasn't what football should be no fans no real point to the game both teams just came and were happy not to lose um and I think Solskjaer said after the game, everybody can be happy with that. And you just thought, is, is, is that right? You compare it to some of the other games this weekend, the, the Fulham-Liverpool game where fans were at Craven Cottage, or even the United City under-23s game, which came a day after the first team without fans, but with some intensity and passion. You just think these are not the same sport. The, the Saturday evening game was, it was Jose Mourinho on both sides of the pitch and just incredibly, incredibly dull. Yeah, listen, I think ultimately the performance wasn't that bad. You know, we've done okay. We nullified City completely. Yeah. On another day, we could maybe have nicked the game. I think the frustration for me after the game wasn't so much that the result, nil-nil is not a terrible result against City. And to be perfectly honest, if you'd have offered me that before the game, maybe not definitely would have taken it, but it, 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 you know, it wouldn't have been a terrible thing to say, you know what, we'll get a nil-nil and, and carry on stabilising yeah, it. Yeah. What's so frustrating is having seen how City were playing and also how Pep Guardiola approached the game. That's not, you know, that is not normal for a Pep Guardiola side to come and be that cautious, be that willing to just sit back and not really take the game by the scruff of the neck. Having seen that, I think yeah. you've got to, it's got to go down as as an opportunity missed for United. City were absolutely there for the taking and a team in United who, despite our frailties for a lot of this season, have consistently produced the goods in attack. Maybe not quite so much at home, but definitely in the majority of our games this season. Mm. 
I think it's one of those ones where you've got to try and take that game over and you've got to try and take the game to City and rely on your on your forward players. You know, that that quartet of Pogba, Fernandez, Greenwood, Rashford, Domin Martial potentially coming off the bench, Van der Beek potentially coming off the bench. At some point, I think you have to back those players that they can get this job done. And so it was it was mixed feelings after the game. I'm not unhappy with the result. I'm unhappy. I felt that it wasn't it wasn't this United way that Solskjaer always talks about. Yeah. I think it's that it's for for a manager who's so keen to kind of hark back to the old days, that was not what you expect. It was not it, nah. it, 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 it was not walking the walk um, after all the talk. And I think, I think the kind of point is that the, the tactics that Solskjaer went with defensively, United's defensive shape was, and I, we'll move on to talk specifically about that shortly, but it, it worked. Um, and that kind of went to plan. United nullified City and, and nullified Kevin De Bruyne particularly. Um, the problem was that if City had been good, as you say, a nil-nil is probably a decent result and a decent performance to stop them creating very much, although they probably created more than us. But against a bad City team, it is a missed opportunity. It's it's we should have done more. And it, it's again that thing of we went in with a plan and against a different City team, that plan would have been good and it would have been the right way. But then the lack of change after half time was perhaps not surprising because it looked like we we might score and just get the the one goal that changed the game but maybe after 55 minutes i think is where i was really frustrated that nothing nothing changed at that point united had to take the game and make sure that they didn't allow city back into it and i think that's what really frustrated me because the first half although city had the better chances i thought the game was was there for us and that we had the control of it and that carried on until 53, 54 minutes. And then when that change wasn't made, when Solskjaer didn't make a substitution or didn't change the way United were playing, it allowed City to get control of it. And in the end, City probably out of the two teams, although it, I think a draw was fair, out of the two teams, City probably had more of a shout to, to win that game. And that that really irked me. The lack of, of proactive management uh, at 55 minutes or even at half time when United were on top to say, right, yeah. here's the change. And now we're just going to go out there and get that goal quickly and wrap the game up. Yeah, you're right. It's that, it, it was that moment just after the, the penalty was given and then rightly overturned where, you know, we came out at the start of the second half and we were, we were the dominant team. You know, in the first half, it really was, sort of 50-50, neither team really had much and the one good chance in the game had fallen to City. But then after half time, we came out and for 10-15 minutes, we were brilliant. You know, we were dominant in the game. We were the team on the ascendancy and you just felt like that was the moment where you needed that that ruthless, that killer instinct. And again, I think it, I almost wouldn't be so frustrated if this was a manager who constantly said I'm going to be pragmatic I'm going to take a point against the big teams if it's if it's available I'm not going to take too many risks mm. as frustrating as that is and it obviously is part of a larger conversation about whether you want a manager like that yeah. at times it's it's a little easier to accept performances like this because it's almost like well we knew what we were going to get you know and it, it might be frustrating but it's not exactly a surprise yeah what frustrates me here is that the one thing we've always loved about Solskjaer and I, I think he's done it brilliantly is that he has tried to instill that 
united mentality, that united way, whatever that really means. I think we all have at least an inkling that what that means is that you don't let lie down and let games like this slip away. You play attacking football. That's exactly what Solskjaer has always said. He's always said that he will always play stylish attacking football and will always go out to win every single game. And it, you just, you just can't really have it both ways. You can't, in the media, constantly talk about how you want to play like that, but then also be so cautious and so unwilling to take that risk to win this game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was talking to people on Twitter about this after the game and someone brought up the point that, you know, maybe he was stung a little bit from the PSG game where he did make the changes in the second half to go for it and it came back to bite us and we ended up losing the game. But to me, that's completely missing the point because actually, I think when Solskjaer has changed the game in this season by bringing on attacking substitutions, it's worked and it worked against PSG. The only reason we ended up losing that game was because we had missed a couple of chances and then PSG scored a goal on the counter-attack. That's nothing to do with Solskjaer's tactics. Everything that Solskjaer did in that game worked. He made the changes. He changed our system. We were dominant in that game. And at the moment when we were dominant, around 55, 60 minutes, he made changes and we, we should have won that game with Martial and Cavani's chances. And we yeah. didn't, not because of the tactics, because we just missed those chances. And to me, it just, this feels like such an opportunity missed, not only to obviously get one over on City, but for the season, it would have been massive for us to win this game because then we we would be basically with our game in hand, level one points now with Liverpool and Spurs, having seen what happened to them after our game. Yeah, and so and and level with Chelsea with a game in hand. And given the the yeah. contrast in kind of opinions towards the two managers and the two teams, that would be would be brilliant. And I guess the, the the thing you have to, I think we have to understand is that if, if we were the manager of Manchester United and there's always this thing, oh, if I was manager, I'd do this and whatever. But if it was your responsibility and, and uh, let's be, let's not beat around the bush here, your job on the line, maybe you would think losing is more damaging than winning is beneficial. And given that United had won four consecutive league games, which we had, there was kind of that room for manoeuvre and there was there, it's, there was this being pragmatic there was room for a boring draw in a big game against City had we not won our last four league games I think perhaps he, he might have gone for it and and you can think what you like about that you can you can think that that's that's absolute bollocks and that, that he shouldn't have done that fine but I think it's worth kind of putting yourself in his in his position but I think that the, the other concern for me is that United defended well um, but our only goal at, at, at home from open play in any league game this season was the Van der Beek goal against um, Crystal Palace I think in a 3-1 defeat yeah. that is I mean it's, it's baffling um, especially when you then look at the Europa League games and how oh, I mean we've scored 10 in three games in the Europa League games at home. Um, I mean, even if four of those games have been against the traditional big six, so we've had Arsenal, City, uh, Chelsea and Spurs, still you expect, you expect more. And I think what's also a a great shame and I I think why it feels like even more of a missed opportunity this weekend is because of the other results in the league. It, It would have made a statement, I think, whatever the performance to beat City and suddenly be in the top four level with Chelsea with a game in hand and uh, effectively near the top of the table yeah and I'd, obviously we shouldn't just only say that something's a bad decision or bad result because of what happens around us but I think yeah even if every other team around us had won this weekend this is still a big missed opportunity the, the goals at home 
are a serious worry. It's just difficult, as we seem to say every week, it's so difficult to understand what's going on with this team at times and how we should really feel about them. Because you look at our away form, and okay, we've fallen behind in almost every away game, or maybe every away game we've played this (laughs) season, but our attack away from home is unbelievable at times. And it, it is just strange that we've not been able to repeat that. And it's not as if we're in a small sample size at this point. You know, it's not like this is just three or four games. It's now, what, almost seven, eight games at home in the league this season. And every single one has, has followed really the same sort of path. So I, it is, it's really, really difficult to understand what's going on. But whatever it is, it is a serious issue. I think that the City game, you know, it's it's obviously difficult. And as you said, the, the human element of it, if you're in Solskjaer's shoes, of course you can understand why he's done that. Because really, mm. a defeat... And it's probably maybe not curtains for him at United, but you know that's that's massive, and probably would have done him way more harm than a victory would have done him good, as you said. It's just that, as we were saying, it's that you can't. It, it feels like you can't really have it both ways when you constantly go on about how you have to go out to win every single game and nothing else but except a win is good enough. To then turn around and have a game where you really don't ever put your stamp on the match you don't really take the game to the opposition properly it feels like a big disappointment at the end of the day it could have been a lot worse and again after the game you look at the table we're still doing all right the top half is you know it's just it's stupidly congested in the top half I think seven points separates first from 10th which is unheard of and means that you can afford to slip up in a couple of these games the frustration is just that I look, the, the frustration for me anyway isn't just that we slipped up is that we slipped up when a, the game was there for us to win it's also that it's, it's a wider thing of the season isn't it it's it's the knowledge and I think everyone yeah, knows course. this it's the knowledge that if United had had a better summer in the transfer window and perhaps United had a more tactically astute coach but mainly the, the recruitment I think that United could actually win the league this season yeah, and I'm not saying we can now. I don't think we Mainly can. Mainly because of the drop off that other chance. top teams have had. Again, we're not. Yeah. as we said in previous weeks, we're not chasing 100 points anymore. We're chasing exactly, 80. Yeah, yeah. It, it's that knowledge, and I don't think we can win it this season. I think, I think we're very, very far off. But because Liverpool have had such bad luck with injuries, because City have dropped off to the level they have, it, it means that a good United side with a couple of extra additions to the squad could have properly challenged and then you build off that challenge next season and and in reality we won't challenge we might not finish top four and then it it goes the other way you start to go into further decline rather than into the kind of resurgence Um, let's talk individual players and kind of how we defended well against City before we talk about struggles in attack as well. And then we'll talk a bit about um, fans' injuries before the youth loan and women's roundup and then preview in the next games. But uh, tactically, I think this is, again, and, and I've said he should have responded quicker, but Solskjaer again came up with something that was unconventional against City and and surprised them. And that's kind of Every time we've had a big win under Solskjaer, it's been because he's kind of surprised the opposition with something slightly different. And this time it was Pogba kind of playing on the left wing, which he did for Juventus a bit. I remember Mourinho tried him there a couple of times as well. Solskjaer has as well. And it it was, it was, it, it worked defensively. United had kind of three different defensive shapes. Up top, it would be a, a four, a three, one, two. 
with kind of the pressure coming from the top and United tried to to force City inwards um, and prevent them from using their, their width. And then as soon as they kind of broke into the, the middle of the pitch, it became a 4-2-2-2 with Rashford Green up top, Bob and Bruno slightly behind and then Fred and McTominay in front of the back four. And, and it basically just nullified Kevin De Bruyne, who... Is, is so ridiculously good. And there was still a couple of moments where he played a, a great pass or he saw him spot a pass and it didn't quite come off. And you just thought this is a a, a brilliant player. Um, but I assume the aim was to to keep De Bruyne quiet and United kind of had some success with that. Four City to play narrow, but not with De Bruyne. Instead, um, City had to rely on Fernandinho and Rodri to create something, which ultimately... They're, they're not very good at doing and so they kind of did what we did as well which was not great much while passing around the back um, and then once they got through it it swapped to a a flat four four two in the final third and, and it basically worked the problem ultimately was that in possession we didn't do enough and didn't create enough but the defensive tactics and the kind of surprise element from Solskjaer was was pretty good yeah and for, and for all of the criticism that I think we've rightly given him so far he deserves almost equal amount of credit for the way he set us up because he did completely nullify City. Granted, this was a City team set up not to lose at the start of the game. You know, very easy for them to say go with someone like Gundogan or instead of uh, one of Rodri or Fernandinho. But at the same time, you know, a front line of De Bruyne, Mares, Jesus and Sterling is still massively potent and, and they had one clear chance the entire game where De Bruyne, the one sort of moment of brilliance that he did manage to pull off, puts it through, I think it was Shaw's legs at the back post and, and Mahrez should score. And De Gea made a good save. But really, I think Solskjaer deserves a lot of credit for what he did. It reminded me a little bit of, I think it was the Spurs game at Wembley where we won 1-0, the Rashford goal. When I think that was the first time he used the split strikers um, after he came in at United in the big game, which became sort of his go-to tactic for a while. I think we played a diamond in that game with split strikers. And it was a little bit different to that. I expected a diamond when I saw the team sheet and I thought it was brilliant actually the way he sort of did a little variation on that with both Fred and McTominay at the base of midfield, which really, really helped us in stopping De Bruyne from getting into that space. Having the two in there really stopped yeah. that supply line coming into De Bruyne brilliantly. And it it looked at for a few moments like it, it could have worked for us in attack as well because it meant that we just had a few more players ready to sort of spring into attack. There was one moment in particular where we, we played some brilliant stuff getting out of a bit of a hole in our right-back area between Wambasaka, Greenwood, McTominay, and it ended up coming into Fernandez and he, there was a ball over to Pogba on the left, which he just, he, uh, I think he played it to Walker instead. And that was really the one moment where that yeah, formation yeah. looked like it, it was going to work for us going forward. But I have to say, Sol, give Solskjaer a lot of credit for the way he set us up because it wasn't just the formation that nullified... City, it was a formation that was very, very flexible in transition, which is exactly what you need against City because that's that's where they kill you. Yeah, exactly. So it's first two or three seconds after they win the win the ball back, when they positionally your midfield is a little bit off because obviously you've had possession, and then they're able to quickly feed De Bruyne and get it into those front front men. But we did brilliantly in transition. I think that was really the key that Solskjaer's formations were very flexible, and it did sort of morph into different things when we had the ball versus when we didn't have the ball. So listen, he, he deserves a lot of credit for the way he set us up. It was brilliant what we did to City. And it show, I think it says a lot about the you know, how Pep Guardiola feels about playing Man United and playing against Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that he did set up with two genuine number sixes. 
and he never made a substitution to change the game. Every single substitution that he made, just as much as Solskjaer, was simply like for like, you know, he yeah. never really went yeah. for the jugular. And it says a lot probably about how he feels about his own team, but also how he feels about this United team and playing against Solskjaer, who has had his number yeah. recently. Yeah, certainly scared. Um, it, it was ultimately a game where both managers were scared to lose. Um, but yeah, the thing with United's attack is it, it required... You mentioned the the Fernandez mispass that he hit to to Walker. It required um, it required efficiency. It needed United to get one counter attacking opportunity and to score that one. And that that's the problem with the setup that that we had and the way we went about the game. Um, and I think I think you kind of could have predicted that United wouldn't be that efficient. So Solskjaer could have could have done something differently to to create more chances. And I, I thought Pogba was brilliant in the first half. Um, he, he quieted down a lot in the second and that was a real shame uh, but the first half he, he he was excellent in in terms of keeping his defensive position pressing when needed and, um, and 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 creating and driving with the ball I think the I think part of the problem for United was the Rashford Greenwood partnership that those split strikers you mentioned does come with its problems because both of them and this is something I normally praise them for, but both of them are, are so direct in their play. Uh, they're so driven and direct and, and so instantly looking to score uh, that it, it can cause problems if both of them are like that. Obviously, you've got Fernandes and, and Pogba to create behind, but as soon as either of them get on the ball, it's how can I shoot? And there were a couple of opportunities that Greenwood had a couple where Rashford had where they both shot and, and they were decent attempts. Um, don't get me wrong, but the the more patient kind of final ball that they could have played to the other one might have been uh, the better one for United. And, and I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago that Rashford and Greenwood are shooters compared to the creators of, of Fernandez and Martial yeah. and Pogba. And to be fair, both- that happened a couple of times against Leipzig as well, where they should have squared it to each yeah. other in the first half. Yeah, and I think I think having a partner, a strike partnership of two shooters, does present a kind of a problem. And you think about the reason Rooney was so successful as a, as a partner, you think all of his partners down the year, Hernandez, Berbatov, Ronaldo, Tevez, Sahar, Van Nisseroy, Van Persie, Welbeck was because he was that creator, not just a shooter. And I think it's fine being the type of player that Rashford and Greenwood is, but I'm not sure that always works as a partnership in in, in a game like this where you're not going to get that many opportunities. Maybe in a in a game against smaller opposition where you're going to get loads of chances, then that's fine. Um, but in this game, I, I don't think it worked. Um, but in, in, going very quickly back to the individual players who did impress, Maguire, Lindelof, Shaw, Fred, absolutely excellent. Yeah, we'll start with... Um... Rashford and Greenwood I they I think they just need a bit of time to develop their partnership but I actually think this season Cavani would be brilliant as I know he was injured so obviously wasn't in the squad against City mm. but I think he actually would be brilliant in that split striker role because he is you know he's not exactly a creator in sort of a you know Bruno Fernandes mould but he is much more willing to come short and, and have a, a bit more of a link up play with his strike partner than either Rashford or Greenwood is their game as you say is much more you get on the ball either in behind or to your feet and you turn and run at players and you and you shoot almost almost on sight. That isn't really Cavani's game. And I think that actually would be really helpful and it's why I think he would be so good playing in a two. Yeah, in, on individual performances, Fred was outstanding for me. By far a man of the match. I thought he was brilliant in midfield, tidy with the ball, 
and not just tidy with the ball at times, you know, getting us moving forward very quickly. I thought defensively he was everywhere. He was very, very good. Uh, yeah, and as you say, the back line, you know, Wambasaka got in trouble a few times against Sterling, but in the general kept him pretty quiet. Sterling's hilariously bad run against United continued. And then the other three, Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof were brilliant. I thought Maguire in particular, you know, it was it was fantastic defending for majority of the game. He was so dominant against Jesus. He didn't get caught out in behind, which was always going to be the worry against City with the pace of Mares, Sterling and Jesus. It never really happened. He had a couple of moments of really good defending. And Shaw and Lindelof were brilliant around him as well. You know, you, there are performances like this where you, that you get from United and you just think, why are we not keeping clean sheets all the time? But there's obviously mistakes there. But no, I think give credit. Those, those four in particular that you mentioned, Fred, Shaw, Maguire, Lindelof, all deserve massive praise. And to be fair, especially in the case of Maguire, this has been the case for you know, a couple of months now. The, the one mistake with him and De Gea against Leipzig, notwithstanding, really ever since he got sent off for England after the in the international break after the yeah, Spurs yeah. game, he's been brilliant and barely put a foot wrong, really. Yeah, it was, a, it was the kind of game that Maguire's good in where he doesn't have to worry about yeah. his lack of pace because the game had absolutely no pace to it. And, and the same yeah. goes, I think, for sure, where his positioning didn't get caught out quite so much, although it did a couple of times because the game was played at such a uh, a testimonial-like kind of jog. Um, last thing we'll talk about before we move on is uh, fans and injuries. Obviously, fans have returned to Premier League grounds um, in their thousands, two thousands. Um, and it's kind of made for a real mix of of football because these games with fans back for the most part are quite a lot more intense. Everton, Chelsea, Fulham, Liverpool, Arsenal, Burnley on the other hand was not, but I think that's because Arsenal fans are so depressed that they made absolutely no noise. (laughs) And then you've got the other side of things where there's no fans and the players just look absolutely knackered. And particularly for the sides in Europe. Um, I mean, none of Chelsea, Liverpool, City, United or Arsenal won in the Premier League this weekend. And that that doesn't happen. I mean, it happens like once a decade it, that they all don't win in the same weekend. And it, I think it's telling. Um, and injuries are, are continuing for Liverpool, for for many other teams. Going into into the busy festive period, it's going to be. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised to see the big teams losing two, three games each, or drawing three, four games each in the in the Christmas period because they're going to be knackered. All the squad's going to be knackered and the lack of fans at certain grounds is, is going to play a part. Yeah, I think I, I tweeted this after about two minutes of the game and we've talked about this before that there are some games, especially at the moment with no fans, where you can just tell after a minute or two that this is going to be a boring nil-nil and you can tell in the Chelsea game and I, you could see it in the City game as well. I, I literally tweeted after two minutes of the game that this more than any other match that I've seen this season, especially at Old Trafford, just felt so flat and so lacking intensity. You know, the first minute, everyone's ambling around the pitch. And I, I don't mean that to say that, you know, the players weren't putting in effort or anything like that. It's just there's something missing from football. And I think it, it obviously is in large part down to the fans. Well, I also think it is part partly down to the scheduling because players, I think, are just absolutely wiped. And this is, again, a, another reason why our inability to beat Basaksha here in Istanbul 
has come back to haunt us because where we would have been able to rest players for PSG and Leipzig because if we'd have won both games against Basaksehir, here that would have got us qualification I believe secured top of the group as well we had to play all our first team stars obviously against both PSG and Leipzig and so now basically we've got 14, 15 players who have been playing twice a week for the last three months and that, that starts to take a toll on you you can't just keep doing that you know week in week out we saw it happen back in uh, the end of last season as well, where, you know, the players just looked absolutely knackered. But I really think this game, more than any other, just it was so flat and just felt so dead without fans there. The intensity just wasn't was never there. There wasn't really a single challenge in anger in the whole game. And I don't mean to say, you know, oh, big challenges is what makes a good derby, but it's just that there was no, there's no adrenaline really pushing players on. And I... I also see this during the game that I'd love to see some stats around big games since lockdown has ended and there's been no fans in the stadium because it feels like so many more of these big games, whether it's involving United or not, have been sort of cagey, nil-nil, one-nil affairs because there just isn't... It's so much easier, I think, for players to to play that kind of risk-averse game because there isn't that external pressure yeah. from fans and there isn't that sort of adrenaline that you get that sort of pushes you on to make a rash decision or go hell for leather and be be riskier. You don't have there that was a, pressure. There was a moment where Victor Lindelof came in for a, a crunching challenge yesterday uh, against City, or in fact, two days ago now, but a crunching challenge and you thought that's the moment where the crowd suddenly gets up again after a quiet starts to the second half and suddenly the game comes to life a bit and it just didn't happen. These games just kind of float by. And yeah. uh, I mean, particularly United City was an utterly futile ninety minutes. Um, yeah. I mean, there was literally, I think, one big chance the entire the entire game yeah. with Mares. Yeah, um, uh, and a real shame. And to be fair, I, I think both teams and managers have to be blamed for that as much as the situation. But there we go. Let's move on to youth alone and women's roundup, and then we'll be previewing Sheffield United and Leeds very quickly before wrapping things up. So. Uh, the under-23s was the antithesis to Saturday's first team affair between United and City. Uh, they played each other on Sunday, entertaining end-to-end under-23s derby. City led early through McAtee, but United came from behind before half-time. Hannibal Medjury won a penalty that Ethan Galbraith converted well before Ethan Laird set up for Kundo Palistri for the Uruguayan third goal in three league games. I think it's only a matter of time before he gets his first team chance. That second goal from Palistri came just after Bernabe had been sent off for City um, but they showed their quality to find an equaliser in the second half and then hold on throughout with 10 men and actually looked likelier to find a winner disappointing eventually from United really who didn't kind of make that man advantage count but some some nice moments but really should have won that game and City go top of Premier League 2 now United sit in 6th uh, the under 18 so have consolidated their place at the top of the under 18 Premier League 7 consecutive wins now for Neil Ryan's team 1-0 away win thanks to a 61st minute goal from Charlie McNeil another tidy finish from the ex-City striker and a really narrow hard fought victory that one but United did well and did well to hold on to their lead at the end and stay top of the league. Um, some other interesting news, Luca Ercolani, the 21-year-old Italian defender for United's under-23s, he's done his coaching badges while he was injured last year. He started them and did them with the help of Kieran McKenna, Michael Carrick, Lee Grant, and also at the suggestion of Chris McCready, who looks after the academy players when they're injured or, or struggling. 
mentally. Uh, Kalani was out for a while last year and during rehab started to look at doing his badges and he says it's it's helped him a lot tactically, but really interesting and, and perhaps something more young players will be doing. But Kalani's now done his UEFA B badge at the age of 21. In low news, James Garner played 90 minutes for Watford against Birmingham. Max Haygarth in the championship made his debut for Brentford. He's been on loan at their B team, but was called up for the first team bench before coming off the bench when they were leading 3-0 against Nottingham Forest. Heath Chong came off the bench for Werder Bremen. Ali Traore did the same for Kine. Dylan Levitt returned from illness to be in the squad for Charlton and Mate Kovar started for Swindon against Fleetwoods. Finally, Dishon Bernard started for Salford City this weekend. More good news. Um, the women's team, Casey Stoney's side with a 2-1 win against Reading. A late Hayley Ladd header won it for United after 83 minutes. Um, a Millie Turner own goal would have cancelled out Leah Galton's opener for United and they now stay top of the Women's Super League, maintaining a perfect record away from home this season. Chelsea are three points behind with a better goal difference and a game in hand, but United top for now. Jack, Sheffield United are leads two of the Yorkshire teams for Premier League games. I mean, let's start with Sheffield United very quickly. We should be winning this one comfortably. Yeah, I mean, a team that is really scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of form. I mean, it would be very Man United, wouldn't it, really, for us to go and play Sheffield United on a Thursday night and <laughs> finally be the team that they uh, they managed to beat. I mean, you know, one draw from 12 games, scored five goals in, in all of that time. This is a team that we should be beating absolutely comfortably. Hopefully the fact that there is very limited attendance should make this game a little bit easier because, again, this is where fans really are, do make, kind of make the difference going to sort of these relegation battling teams and, and having the fans all get up for a big game against United. This is the kind of game that we should be winning. No doubt we'll be behind at halftime <laughs> and probably end up winning 2-1. <laughs> yeah, I can see a Rian Brewster or Ollie McBurney goal. Um, yeah. To be fair, Sheffield United have been completely terrible but have occasionally had a tight game. Like and they've been very unlucky, game against Leicester. They've, they've deserved to get a little more than yeah. they have at times. Yeah, they have. And it's, it's, it's one of those where they've deserved to lose most of their games, to be fair, but a lot of them have been tight, like home games against Leicester, 2-1 against West Ham, 1-0 against City, 1-0. They only lost 2-1 to Liverpool, 1-0 to Leeds, 2-1 to Arsenal. Yeah. It's, 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 not like, it's not as if this is like a... A Derby County yeah. type of bottom of the table team where they were getting smashed every week. Like they have been losing, but it's not as if they're getting beat four or five nil. It's like one, two goals here or there. Yeah, exactly. So the reality is we should be beating them, but I'm not expecting us to just go and absolutely blow them out of the park. Although that would be brilliant. Um In fact they've only they've only lost two games by more than two goals all season. That was yesterday against Southampton and Chelsea four one. Other than that, they've lost all their games by you know, one goal except for a 2-0 against Wolves. So yeah. I wouldn't expect too much, you know, too much goal mouth action, really. Yeah, and I guess it, it it's uh, necessary. I, I think it's going to be tight because he needs to rest players for this one with Leeds coming up and then the festive period. And it, it might be a chance to see Facundo Polistri, as I mentioned. Might also be a chance to call up someone like Ethan Galbraith to be on the bench, maybe. My concern is that we'll rest people and then live to regret it. But let's move on from Sheffield United because ultimately we should win that and there's not much more we can say about that is that we just have to win that game. Leeds, on the other hand, 16 years since we last played them in the in England's top flight. 
that was a 1-1 draw in, in 2004. Um, let me just check the scores of that. It might be interesting. Paul Scholes and Alan Smith, who then shortly moved to United. Uh, a definitely more tricky game um, and, and one that I'm sure all Leeds fans are looking forward to. And because there's no fans, although actually there might be fans going to this, but because it's not a, a proper um, home game against Leeds, I'm not particularly looking forward to because I'm I'm fearing the worst. Yeah, again, it's just one of those games, isn't it, where the worst is so so easy to come by. And Leeds have done, have played really well against a lot of the big teams. They play some good football. This is just a classic sort of banana skin game against a team that, there's obviously history with the, with the long rivalry between United and Leeds would be a game that would be an amazing atmosphere at Old Trafford. Hopefully there will be some fans back in the stadium if Manchester goes back into tier two restrictions, which hopefully will happen this weekend. But it's just not going to be the same. And especially being at home, it does just feel like a, a game that could have one nil Leeds written yeah. all over it. Unfortunately, as much as it pains me to to say that, you hope that, like you said, that we are able to rest some players in midweek and that that won't come back to bite us. And especially that the, the same thing that happened against West Ham won't happen where Solskjaer does try to rest players and then has to bring all the big guns yeah. on at half time to try and rescue the game. So yeah, you know, you'd, you would hope that we are able to rest some players and that will enable us to put in a, a better, more refreshed performance against Leeds. But it's not going to be an easy game at all. I'm, I'm pretty nervous for, for Leeds, actually. Well, it's one of those... It's one of those games where United can't really come out of it any better than they already are, if that makes sense. Unless unless you batter Leeds, a, a narrow win against Leeds isn't going to do that much. Whereas defeat to Leeds is going to be a massive blow, if that makes sense, um, because everyone expects United to win. And and to be fair, it, it, I'm a bit conflicted over it because Leeds are obviously there to be got at. Their defence has been pretty poor. The only game I can remember it being particularly good was against Everton. Um, their game against Arsenal was was pretty dull, so that's kind of why they got a clean sheet. But they were hit for three by Chelsea, four by Palace, four by Leicester. They are there to be to be got at, and maybe that can work for United. Yeah, they're, they're certainly not going to come to Old Trafford and just sit on the edge of their own box for 90 exactly. minutes like West Brom. You know, maybe United can can try and, and shut Leeds out and get the, the and and they should sh- chances should present themselves. Unlike against City, yeah, I, I I'm a bit I'm a bit torn. In the end, I think it it could be a draw. I think I think the first goal in the in the Leeds game will be massive yeah. because it's the kind of game where you feel like both teams could very easily tear the other one open very quickly. You know, yeah. we're very clearly not going to play as compact and defensive as we did against City. And if we are a little bit more open, leads going forward are going to cause us trouble. I think if, if either team can score within the first sort of 20 minutes, they might end up actually having a pretty comfortable afternoon. Yeah. I think the first goal will go a long way to determining that. And if, and if we get it, then obviously Leeds would have to open up even more, which would hopefully present more opportunities for us. So I think if we can get an early goal, say first 20 minutes, half an hour, that'll make a huge difference to the rest of the game. Yeah. Last thing I mentioned, Europa League draws just been made and United have got Real Sociedad, um, which is a, a quite exciting game because Sociedad are a team I, I have actually watched a few times this season and last season uh, and a, a good team to watch. And um, I guess it's the, the Adnan Yanazai derby, um, but also David Silva 
um, who would be great to watch <laughs> if he wasn't playing against you because he's still uh, an absolutely magnificent player and I'm still bitter about the fact that he was at City for so long and was so good to watch when he was there. But it, uh, what I'm really hoping is that by February, United fans will be able to travel perhaps in limited numbers, but to San Sebastian because it's yeah. a city I've always wanted to go to and everyone who goes to it says it's just the most um, most brilliant place to go. So it, it would be perfect if that was United's first European away game that fans could go to for, for a long time. I think it's unlikely, but an interesting Europa League draw nevertheless. Um, we'll wrap things up in a second, but any thoughts on that? Just, it's definitely one of the tougher draws that we could have had. So see that. I know they've played a... A yeah. few games more than the teams around them, but uh, top of their league are playing really well at the moment. So definitely one of the harder draws. But again, if as you said, if fans can go, that would be huge and definitely uh, an away game to savor for United fans. I think definitely a, a nice destination for us to go. Potentially. Yeah, you think it's? I, I feel like it's unlikely. I'm certainly not going to get my hopes up. But as, if anything is announced before February, I'll be booking flights to San Sebastian immediately, or or a coach. We'll see. Yeah, I imagine uh, it'll be more sort of quarter semi-finals of the European competitions when yeah. I don't know, maybe the yeah. vaccine is more like, widely I, out. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure fans will be at any European games until the semis or final, but yeah. a man can dream. Um, we'll wrap things up there. Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Um, no bonus Q&A for patrons this week just because we didn't get any questions. We had loads last time, so that's probably why. Um, but if you do want to sign up to become a patron and have the chance to ask questions yourself that we can talk about after the show, you can find information on how to do so at our Twitter Um which is at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. Otherwise, for opinions, thoughts on anything from Jack and I, you can find Jack on Twitter at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And I'm at Harry Robinson 64 And again, the podcast itself, at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. But otherwise, um, I hope the build-up for Christmas is... Um, relatively smooth calm and enjoyable for all of you even in these strange times and enjoy the Sheffield United game enjoy the Leeds game particularly and have a great week goodbye Sports Social Podcast Network